You are listening to Your Beautiful Self Podcast with Linda O'Neill and special guest Nicole Lintfer. Hi, my name is Linda O'Neill and I have a practice called Good Thoughts NLP. I'm an NLP therapist and mindfulness coach. This podcast, however, is all about spreading Buddhism. I focus on the teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh, a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. He is also known as the father of mindfulness. And in the last chapter of his book, Being Present, he lays out 14 principles for Westerners. He wanted to simplify Buddhism for everyone. So this podcast is all about going over his 14 principles. The first principle he talks about is to be aware of fanatical teachings. On our last episode, Nicole and I discovered that we were on the opposite ends of the spectrum when it came to vaccines. Her view was that one side was way too fanatical when it came to the COVID vaccination. My view was different. I believe that it was important that a lot of us take the vaccine for the good of all. This topic, although maybe not as controversial as it was six months ago or even a year ago, really tore people apart, which leads me to today's episode. Buddhist teaching number two, which is be aware of your attached views. If you're so attached to your view, you are no longer listening. And even if somebody is on the wrong side, then there is no way you're going to change their view if you constantly tell them they're wrong. The only way to change anybody's mind is to listen compassionately without judgment. And if you can do that, they may be open to listening to your side. Don't be so attached to your view that you no longer evolve from your view. This also leads nicely into Buddhist principle number three. You should not force your views on others, not even your own children. I know this one's a hard one for you parents out there. They have a right to have different views than you. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you can't guide people to the correct view. I'm sure a lot of people will think that I'm the one with the misperception. After all, this vaccine was pushed onto the population rather quickly. And there's going to be a lot of people who are going to believe that Nicole is the one with the misconception. So on today's episode, Nicole and I are going to talk about vaccines because here's another thing. She wasn't only against the COVID vaccination, she was an (gasps) anti-vaxxer. How are we going to persuade each other to the correct view without offending each other or forcing our view down someone's throat? How do we do that? Well, we did it by using Buddhist principle one, two, and three. I hope you enjoy the show. Here's the conversation. Hey everyone, this is Linda O'Neill with your Boodleful Self, and I'm here again with Nicole. Now, last time we had a very interesting discovery. When we were talking about fanatical teachings, she brought up the issue of vaccines. What's your stance on vaccines? That they should be up to the individual to decide if they want or not. Because we were talking about COVID, you said that nobody has a right to force you to take the COVID vaccine. So there's a lot of people who agree that vaccines can cause injury to people. My message resonates very strongly with those people. I'm someone who, you know, is a medical professional that is there for people who have either been injured or know somebody who has been injured by a vaccine. Now, before I went into it with Nicole, I wanted to let her know that I saw 
her side. America has a dark history of experimenting medicine on vulnerable populations without their consent. You may have heard of the 1920s and 1930s eugenics movement, where the American government at all levels were sterilizing people who they saw unfit, including poor whites. These people did not know that they were being sterilized. They thought they were going in for routine checkups. This movement was so popular that the most popular name in the 1920s was Eugene. And I wanted her to know that I understand why the American people do not trust their government when it comes to their bodies. There are two studies, both in the 1930s and the 1940s, we were experimenting on people without their knowledge. The Tuskegee experiment, are you familiar with that one? Very familiar. It was 600 African-American men, mostly sharecroppers. 300 of them had syphilis. The government came in and said, we're gonna treat you for bad blood, which is just code for like, whatever's wrong with you. But what they are really doing, it was a study to see the progression of syphilis. Because at that time there was no cure for it. But by 1940-something, penicillin, turns out, can cure syphilis. Mm -hmm. The government knew about it, and the men died from syphilis, which is a terrible way to die. Mm -hmm. You can go literally lose your mind. The one that, that really shocked me, even more so than the Tuskegee, is in 1946, I believe, a government organization, medical organization, went into Guatemala and did a study there, about 5,500 people, and they literally injected them with syphilis and gonorrhea to test out other medications. We're using people without their knowledge as a human rat experiment. They did this experiment on prisoners and sex workers, but not just them. They even used children. All that to say, I get why we don't trust our government to make the best decisions when they're experimenting on our health. Andrew Wakefield, and we both had a different knowledge about him. I said mm -hmm. that he was disbarred. He's a doctor he that linked the MMR with autism. The problem is the report is now largely seen as fraudulent and inaccurate. He now lives in Austin, Texas, and he still does work with the autistic community. But I can't find anything that reinstated him. He's still not allowed. He, he chose not to be reinstated, but they did allow for it. All the doctors that were in that study were pardoned. From my discussion that I had with him on a Zoom meeting, what they were trying to find out is, is there a link between the MMR vaccine and autism? They did the experiments on... 12 kids. On 12 kids. And I think what the issue was, was there was something to do with getting permission to be in that study. The issue was that there was a lawsuit. There was um, not a lawsuit, but a law firm who was looking to sue the pharmaceutical company, uh -huh. linking vaccines to autism. Right. And I believe that four or five of the kids in the study uh -huh. were part of that lawsuit. And that law firm gave, they gave them like 55,000 pounds. They funded the research basically. Uh -huh. And so that's a conflict of interest that he did not put in his okay. paper. It was a legality thing. It was, it was a like a, a little legal loophole. But at the same time, when you have such a small sample, like 12 kids, and almost half of them are involved in a lawsuit and you don't put it in there, it's a conflict of interest. That definitely is going to raise some, some red flags. I believe that he believes in his study. Yeah, he said the research 
is solid. None of it was made up. So Andrew Wakefield, it was the MMR, so that we're talking the mumps, the measles, and, and rubella. Okay, and it was a three-in-one jab. That's the vaccine. And he's linking the MMR vaccine, the three-in-one. Is he anti-vaccine on everything or just anti-MMR vaccines? I can't speak for him on that. I'm interested to know because he is the poster boy for the anti-vax movement. <laughs> You can become so attached to your hypothesis that you can't see anything else mm -hmm. but vaccines. Yeah, there's been a lot of injuries that you don't read about them in the newspaper. There was a woman, she was a cheerleader, very healthy. She was encouraged to get the, what's that? vaccine they had just for women for that um hpv yes for hpv and after that she couldn't walk unless she was walking backwards and she had a lot of problems with talking after that wheelchair bound like just completely changed her life and it was right after the vaccine i she, think she, i actually heard about that So we were both wrong. 60 Minutes did not cover the story. It was 2020. Tonight on 2020, he married a cheerleader who was always on the move. But suddenly, she started moving like this. You can't control it. The, the muscles, everything just shakes. She could run and walk sideways, but not straight ahead. Her symptoms kept progressively getting worse. Is this a medical mystery or a homemade hoax? You'd have to be absolutely amazing actress to put on something like this. She's a runner and cheerleading ambassador for pro football's Washington Redskins. I'm not the type of person to sit and watch TV or sit around on the couch. I have to be busy, productive, and, you know, accomplishing something. Otherwise, I get very bored. And it wasn't the HPV vaccine. It was the flu shot. Desiree, one day the picture of health, and the next, a twisted, stuttering, fainting vision of pain and suffering. I certainly try to remember stuff. How did this happen? Desiree blames the dramatic change in what should have been a routine flu shot last fall, delivered where many Americans get their vaccinations at a supermarket health counter. After I got a shot, I got sick on our anniversary day. I got like a fever and really painful body aches. That, of course, was just the beginning. And soon, TV news departments from around the country and millions of hits on YouTube around the world would make her the poster child of the anti-vaccine movement. Yeah, and it's, it's funny how the media can spin things. It was spun in a way that made you think, she's lying, she's making this up. But it's just all in the Her words that they use and how they spin With some it. doctors publicly questioning whether she has a physical illness at all. Some people might even think it's a hoax. Yeah, well... Why would I fake it? I've had a great life, you know. I, you know, was just becoming a Redskin cheerleader. I was making good money. Desiree says her new neurologist agrees she has the herky-jerky movements common in dystonia patients, and they may have come from the flu shot. But in much of the medical world, there is skepticism. Dr. Stephen Novella is an assistant professor of neurology at Yale, and he's followed Desiree's case on the internet closely. 
he's comfortable commenting from afar because dystonia is primarily a visual diagnosis. Now, I never examined her and I never claimed to come to any kind of a clinical diagnosis of her, but what I did say was... Um, like, we don't know if she's making this up or not because it's very odd. It is very odd. Okay, so, but the thing that I that I have a hard time understanding is this idea that all vaccines are bad. You know, I have a, a good friend of mine I went to high school with, and she had a healthy baby boy. The week after his MMR vaccine, he stopped making eye contact. He stopped trying to talk, and then he was diagnosed with autism. It's like when you know somebody, then it's like, it's different. And then I know patients who that's happened to before, and it's like, you can't just ignore like, oh, a few days after they had this very specific specific thing, the way you have to understand the medicine of it, it irritates your nerves, it irritates your white blood cells, it irritates your immune system, it helps your body to create antibodies. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to get your body, this is ideally the science behind it, is that you're getting your body to make the antibodies for the virus before you catch the virus so that your body knows how to fight it. The way that it does it is it causes an irritation, an irritation similar to the virus in your body. And there's a lot of things that have not been studied. We don't have any long-term longitudinal studies of how this affects generations to come, let alone the combinations that they're using. Before, like, I don't know about when you were growing up, but when I grew up, I think I had like three or four vaccines. Mm -hmm. Now, by the age of 18, there's 72 different doses. 72 different doses of different... So some things require one vaccine. Most things require two or three or four, uh -huh. you know, boosters and right. follow-ups and such. Right. So if you count every single thing times the amount that they recommend, some things are like, you know, they're saying COVID, you have to get once a year. Flu shot, you have to get once a year. Yeah. If you do exactly what they recommend, by the time you're 18, you get 72 doses. Wow. That's different. There's just no evidence. Right. People say, oh, it's the science. We don't have any science saying that we this is safe. We have some science. We have some science. So I, I totally agree with you in the fact that 72 is a bit much. I think it's important to question which vaccines are necessary. And I do think there needs to be more studies about vaccines. But I worry that a prominent figure like Andrew Wakefield, to say that all vaccines are bad is the issue that I have. It's become so fanatical on the vaccinated side. You're not allowed to say, well, I don't think I need that one, but let's go ahead and do polio. They don't really give you that option. You're expected to do the full schedule. Or you might get fired, for, I, like I did. I got My kids and I, we got fired from our pediatrician because we wouldn't stay on top of their vaccine schedule. I think we're making some headway here, dare I say. Okay. Because what I think yeah. I'm hearing you say is that you are not against all vaccines, are no. you? No. And I do agree that there needs to be more science behind vaccines. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Nicole and I were so excited that we saw each other's point of view, we popped some bubbly. So the whole point of the Buddhist principles is so that you can find peace of mind and happiness, right? Yes, but mostly with these principles, what Thich Nhat Hanh was really trying to do is get people to talk to each other again. Because mm -hmm. we are so oh. attached to our views that we yeah. stop hearing each other. Mm -hmm. And if we don't communicate and listen compassionately 
we'll never come to an understanding. A lot of it, it's all about communicating because it's all about listening and evolving. And you cannot evolve from your view if you are, this is right, you're an idiot. Yeah, that and getting off the damn phones. smartphones came prevalent that's also the same rate it goes if you look at both charts the rate of depression depression I knew it yeah and the rate of um, anxiety anxiety is with with smartphones and so it was already bad with the pandemic but really Mm -hmm. this started in 2011 2012 when we started seeing smartphones everywhere I'm reading David Sedaris's new book it's his diary starting in 2011 Mm -hmm. he started talking about how that's when people started talking on their cell phones in public. Now it's not so much people talking on their cell phones in public, but zoning out. Even I have to watch myself because of TikTok. I love TikTok. (laughs) Are you on TikTok? No. Don't get on it because it's addicting. Facebook just pisses you off, right? Because everyone's (laughs) like, meow, meow, meow. I have an attached view and I'm right and you're wrong and you're an asshole and you're stupid. It's gotten bad. It's really, really bad. But TikTok, their algorithm is so good and it's just things that that you care about, but it's Mm -hmm. also the funny things that you care about. This thing is more engaging than the person next to me. Honestly, it's one of the reasons why... There's a lot of reasons why I got a divorce, but that was a starting point for me, was hanging out with my husband at the time. He was in the room with me physically, Mm -hmm. but mentally and emotionally, never there. He was on his cell phone. What what he says about that, it's all about like watering the seeds of love and like you're the flower. Mm -hmm. And yes, you're in the room with him, but if if he's not engaged with you, Mm -hmm. the flower dies. It died. And that's what happens. And so it's very, very important as we communicate with each other that we are present with each other. And that's a big thing in Buddhism. It's about being present. It's being in the moment. I'm glad Nicole brought up her divorce. Divorce is really painful. It's one of those things that we suffer through. The reason why I'm glad that she brought it up is because Buddhist principle number four is understand that we all suffer, that suffering is not a negative in Buddhism. Suffering helps us develop compassion to help others out of their suffering. And Buddhism teaches us to lean in to our suffering, to commit to our understanding of our own suffering, so that way we can help others transform from their suffering. We're not gonna talk about suffering today, but we're gonna dive into this idea of suffering and why it's good for you in our next episode. So when you are having conversations or watching the news about anti-vaxxers, I think it's important to understand where they are coming from and to acknowledge that they do have some valid points. Thank you so much for listening to your beautiful self. Don't miss another episode about how these Buddhist principles can help you communicate better. Subscribe to the podcast, count your blessings, and have a beautiful day. (laughs) 